Hi, I'm Brian Levy. I'm a partner at Manchester Living and the host of the Manchester Living podcast. The purpose of the podcast is to help people navigate the complex maze of elder care. And there is a lexicon of elder care terms on our website at manchesterlivingpodcast.com. Today, we are doing a little something a little different. I'm talking to two family members who have um, two family members of residents at Manchester Care Homes. So we'll, uh, today's new and noteworthy, again, is a little different. We're going to do a, a virtual tour of Manchester Care Homes. Welcome to Manchester Care Homes. We have four custom purpose-built homes in Dallas. Imagine a mansion with eight master bedrooms in a neighborhood setting. All four care homes are practically identical on the inside and out. They're located starting near Coyton Campbell, one near Spring Valley and Hillcrest, another at Bodecker and Royal, and our East Dallas care home is near Casa Linda by White Rock Lake. Each home has a full kitchen, living area, and a staff to meet your every need. Meals are prepared family style. People wake up at different times and enjoy different cuisine. Breakfast is a la carte, lunch is around noon with a set menu, and dinner is around five with a set menu. We have a variety of food in the house to accommodate those who might want an alternate meal off menu. We also keep residents' favorite snacks in the house. Health and nutrition are our primary focus. Our home is your home and the home of our residents' families. We encourage visits, whether spontaneous or scheduled. We often have families join for activities and meals. We encourage that. Each room has a TV and cable supplied by Manchester. Families are responsible for furnishing their own rooms. We do this to allow each resident a comfortable and familiar environment, as if they are home. They are home. We work with a few concierge medical practices and have a full-time director of nursing on staff who rotates throughout each house daily. All medicine is controlled and monitored by a computerized system, double-checked and monitored by our medical staff and director of compliance. We also take vital signs daily for each resident. Our nurse is in constant touch with the staff on duty to ensure continuity of care. We provide home-cooked meals. Each resident provides us with their favorite meals so we can incorporate them into the menu rotation. As I mentioned, there's always food in the house. We even have a sonic ice machine. There's a salon on site. Spa day is one of the favorites amongst residents. Other activities include puzzles, movies, music therapy, reading on the patio, fresh air in the yard, pet therapy, and exercise. The residents and staff enjoy visits from family and friends. Our staff is trained to work with each resident one-on-one -on -one to meet their individual needs. We welcome you and your loved ones into our community. Call today for an assessment and tour. Great. Let's jump in. Today, as I mentioned, we're talking to family members um, of uh, residents at Manchester Care Homes, and we're going to talk about their search, their journey, and their experience that they went through. 
I'd like to introduce Sue Weiner, Sue's uh, 103-year-old mother-in-law, Branya, who survived two pandemics and the Holocaust, lived independently until she moved to Manchester Care Homes in January of 2021, directly from Pennsylvania. She is a mother, a grandmother, a singer, a registered nurse, and a dog lover. She's also an expert Rummy Cube player. So uh, welcome, Sue. Thank you for being here today to talk about your experience. David Zinia, welcome to the show. David's dad, Richard, is an 88-year-old Princeton graduate and a former investment banker. Richard married Joanne in 1962. They were married for 57 years and have four kids and eight grandkids. Richard and his wife, Joanne, lived independently before a brief stay at an assisted living facility before they moved to Manchester in 2019. Joanne passed away a few years ago, and Richard continues to thrive and enjoy each and every day. He has a contagious laugh, a love of food, and knows most of the lyrics to the tunes of his generation. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. I bet. All right. This is a little different. I've never interviewed family members. It's usually industry experts and thought leaders, and now y'all are the industry leaders and thought leaders of of navigating the complex maze. So thank you. Um, uh, I almost called you Richard. (laughs) You look a lot like your father. (laughs) David, what were the indicators or triggers that pressed you to consider assisted living? Just the needs that we saw in my parents as they were aging and some diagnoses that they had regarding their memory. And we just as a family got together and we had been talking about it, knowing that this was coming for years and got together and just said, hey, now's the time when we went through that process. Intuitively, you knew. Intuitively, we knew. But it's still emotional. Like there's not, even though you, you try and make a, an emotional decision in a non-emotional time, it was still very emotional and we had to make that decision to move them out of the house and from independent living and into a more assisted living and now in a more, more care than just assisted living. Sure. Uh, Sue. Bronya was living in Pennsylvania, she walking was. to the JCC every day by herself. And then all of a sudden we get a call from you and Marcel. Right. Well, she was in Pittsburgh. She in had Pittsburgh. her own yeah, in her own apartment. She's fiercely independent. Uh, and she had had a couple of falls, um, but nothing that really warranted serious intervention at that point. But then she fell and broke her hip. So at that point, um, she was in the hospital. They did surgery. Uh, and she was in rehab, and we knew there's no way that she could go back to her apartment. And um, it was a really tough decision. We didn't even know she was going to survive this fall. It was it was that serious at the time. And her will to live was, she struggled. She struggled. But then she started recouping, and the kids said, well, pick one of your kids. Where do you want to live? Wow. <laughs> so, so did you guys lead the charge? I mean, you and Marcel? Well, not were... Marcel, his brother Sam, and his sister Rosalind. They were all together. Mm-hmm. And um, Branya picked Marcel. And so we said, okay, Dallas, here we come. And I started doing the research at that point. I made tons of phone calls. And... Um, Talked to friends, talked to, and then I finally got through to Paul Markowitz, and um, he helped guide me. We did a lot of um, interviewing. Um, anyway, that was the process at the very beginning. I know that that's not what you asked, but what, what, what precipitated her move? Right, and it was the fall. It so was the fall. We had to bring her here. Okay, yes. and so you mentioned Paul. Let's let's. That, that's actually one of the next questions, and I want to talk to you guys. So um, the next question is really: Did you work with a senior advisor or conduct the, conduct the search your own? And let me just for viewers to understand: a senior advisor are paid by the properties. They're almost like. Um, 
placement agents, they hate that term, but they're placement agents to help people like you guys with your search, to help you navigate AL, IL, um, uh, CCRC, where do you want to go and what do you want to do? And then they'll help narrow it, take your budget, your criteria, and work with you to contact people like me. Um, so what was your what was your process like? So our process was a little different. We The first time we did use one of the professionals, if you will, and we called and they gave us a couple options that we interviewed. And that's when they moved from independent living to assisted living. And then when we had to take the next step, which we knew they needed a little bit uh, more care than they did amenities, if you will, in the places that we had in the place that we had them in. We we hired someone that we just paid and said, hey, we would love that's an expert in the field. But we said, hey, we would like to pay you. And she helped us navigate and find Manchester. Yeah. So, And you mentioned amenities, the process, your folks were in a larger uh, assisted living facility. Yes. They probably had happy hour and movie night and activities. And so it was more More social uh, focused. Whereas Manchester, not that it's not social, but is more focused on the care. Right. Walk me through that process that you guys went through from focusing on amenities to it's all about the care. Yeah, when they were when we first moved to assisted living, we moved to a place that had care for memory that we could move them to, and when and we ended up moving them up to that floor uh, during their stay there. But what we found there is my brother, who's low, I have two brothers and a sister, a brother here local, Doug. He and I felt like we were we were spending more time going to do well care checks, if you will and not getting time to just sit and visit with our parents. And we wanted to find a place that could provide the care that we knew that they would be getting. So when we came in, we could just enjoy being, having a conversation with our parents, then wondering what kind of care they're getting and things like that. And so that was one of the main reasons we wanted a smaller facility that focused more on the care side of it because they didn't need the amenities at that point. They needed more of the care, even though they're getting a lot of, I mean, my mom who passed away a couple years ago, but with my dad, he gets a lot of his social time with the other uh, people there, as well as the caregivers. And he, he's always smiling when he's there. Always Always smiling. smiling. I've never met a happier man. I I do have to interject and tell you, if there was ever a show of the elders say the darndest things, I'm telling you, they would win hands down. Yes. Both of them. They're, Real pieces of work. They are. <laughs> In a yes, good way. They right, are. Right, yes, right. they are. How did you inform your folks that it was time and we're going to make a change? Well, you know, early on, my mom had known that, you know, her family has a history of memory care or memory needs as when aging with dementia that was in her family. And so they took steps in their early 70s to say, hey, we're going to take steps to care, to know that we're going to need to care for ourselves. And they actually took out a long-term care policy, knowing that eventually they're going to need a higher level of care and say, hey, we we know we're going to need it. We have this available to you to use for our future. And so those conversations were great when we were reminding our parents, like, hey, you knew this was coming. You set this up for yourselves. You cared for yourself, loved each other well, knowing that you were going to need this. And it gives us the opportunity to afford uh, great care for them in uh, in an amazing facility. I love it. And Sue? Um, well, Bronya, both Paul Markowitz, and we go back to that, um, assisted us and gave me some fabulous insight and questions that I needed to be asking um, for Bronya. And I did 
tons of phone calls. I mean, people, who do you know? Who have you talked to? Where have your parents been? What did you like? What did you didn't like? And we did visit other places. Um, now, I do have to mention it was at the be beginning of the pandemic, so we couldn't really see That's the right. facilities. It was really very trying, if you will. And, and bringing her here during the pandemic was, you talk about feeling guilty and, oh, this was not an easy task mm -hmm. to, to bring her here and have leave a place that she's been her whole, yeah, well, most of her adult life anyway. Right. Um, but once we found, first of all, with Manchester, the location is fabulous for us. You're a hop, skip, and a Well, that was really important to us. It had to be, <laughs> yes. it, it really needed Feet to be in. close yeah, to us, a right? Half a mile from yeah, it. And, um, and the size of the facility was really, really important. And, and uh, knowing that you have a full time um, nurse, that Sandy was there, and I've kind of knew Sandy a little bit peripherally. So that kind of gave me a real strong sense of relief and comfort. Um, so it was, at, once we narrowed it down, the decision was easy. We knew she needed to be in a place. It needed to be smaller. She didn't need fancy amenities. She is not a fancy woman. Mm -hmm. as, and um, that would not be appeal, appeal to her. Right. And she, she considers it her apartment. That's what she calls it. Oh, yeah. I, I'm going to my apartment. Well, I consider yeah. her the mayor of right. the house. The mayor. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Uh, yeah, and what was the acclimation? Pro I, I actually wasn't in the in the home during the pandemic, so I don't remember. I obviously didn't see what was the acclimation process for for both your folks. Well, do you want me to go first? Sure, okay. go right ahead. Um, well, we had her live with us for about three weeks mm -hmm. because just the transition of moving. Anyway, we knew it was difficult, so she stayed with us, and I think she wanted to stay with us. Um, but then when we moved her in. Um, when we visited, there was that big plexiglass barrier. Mm -hmm. So it, do you remember that? Oh, it yeah. was it's really, sterile. and, and she, she's hard of hearing anyway. So, <laughs> you know, it was like, we're talking and coming up to the, and it was hard for her to comprehend. What is this virus that we're talking about right. here? So it was very, it was sad every time we were there and it was hard because you just wanted to be with her and you couldn't really come and hug and touch too much at that point in time. Did the staff help facilitate oh, they were with, fabulous. with uh, FaceTime and things like that? Well, we were there quite a bit, so we didn't have to really do FaceTime. Yeah. And, and um, we do a lot of FaceTime when we're with her now, but the staff was great and, and getting her where she needed to be. I mean, when you're separated like that, yeah. anyway, um, the staff was great. Just really what was yeah. your acclimation process like? So my parents moved in a couple months before the pandemic. And so uh, the nice thing was we had a little bit of time to set the room up for my mom, especially wanting things to be in a certain way for her just to be used to the pictures that are on the wall, where they're hung. And your the staff was amazing. Sandy was amazing in helping us move in and uh, getting us organized and the needs that, you know, coordinating everything that we needed to do. And they acclimated very well. Um, and a lot of it was because of the one-on-one -on -one care that they felt that they were getting. And yeah. it was more attentive. And my dad loves attention. And so he is. Yes, he does. The more attention he gets, centered. the more right. he likes to be the center of attention. You, so. me you mentioned in engaging with Sandy. Tell me, what is that like from a, a family standpoint? Your loved ones are in the home. What kind of conversations you're having with Sandy? How, when, where, what? Uh, Sandy feels like she is a friend, almost a one of our relatives. The way that she cares and loves for uh, my parents. The way she 
you know, my mom died during the pandemic, not from COVID, but I honestly, I believe it was from a broken heart that we just weren't able to come see her anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was the one thing that she did recognize were her kids and her grandkids yeah. and getting cut off from that. I think she was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready. And, uh, but during that, when that was happening, Sandy was amazing in the way that she allowed us to, to come be with her, see her for the last time, you know, spend, uh, those last moments with her mm-hmm. and, Sandy's care is is beyond anything of um, somebody that's an employee, just like all the caregivers there. She leads really well in the way that they serve and love our loved ones. And that's great comfort to us knowing when there's times that we can't make it there, we know that my dad is still being cared for and loved and people are enjoying being around him. As the director of nursing, she's not just clinical. Uh, right. She's like a, a social worker and a psychiatrist and part of the family, like you said. And it's 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 nice to to watch those relationships. Yeah, and it was it was really sweet because of the pandemic. It was in, she died in May of twenty, and that was the height of the uh, quarantining, and you couldn't leave. And you know, we were able to have the service for my mom actually in the backyard. And so my dad could come out, he could be there. We brought in a pastor from their church. My other siblings who live out of town were able to zoom in and it was just really sweet. And, uh, and Sandy made all that happen. By so those are the, through exactly. That. And those are some of the things that we can do right. as a four to one ratio, small care home environment where you're not going to get in a large facility with 20, 22 to one ratio. You yeah. know, everybody's an individual. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. Um, let's talk a little bit about the sense of guilt families have when they uh, introduce the idea of assisted living to their folks. What was that like for you and your family to to put your folks from assisted living into a care home? Yeah, I think for my brother and me, who, you know, my brother Doug, who lives in Dallas, we're living, we're seeing them every day and seeing the need that they have. And at the time, my mom needed more care than my dad. And but my dad needed help with my mom. Mm -hmm. And having those conversations and what was hard was watching my dad who uh, wanted to serve his wife, but realizing he wasn't able to. And I think that was harder on all of us than knowing that, hey, moving them was the right decision. But the hardest thing was there was a you know, at that time, my dad was 85 and wanting to care for his bride of almost 60 years and um, realizing that he couldn't was really hard to watch. Right. And so essentially you helped him. Yes, we were. Help facilitate yes. him to continue to care for her through, yes. through others. Through others. And he wanted to be the one, but realizing that he, when he came to that, it was just, it was one of those emotional times in a family where, uh, it's just sad. I mean, it's 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 hard to walk through, but then um, it's necessary and it's great to know that there are facilities out there that can can help us. And now being on this side, it's like, oh, this was such a great decision that we made. Sue? Um, the guilt part, Rania is fierce, I think I mentioned this, fiercely independent. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just very hard for her to finally allow us 
to even talk about moving her. So the guilt and having to have those conversations with her because you knew that it just struck to her, her core that right. it, this was this was not what she wanted, right? And um, but being at the facility helped you know, navigating through that part. But the guilt never goes away. I mean, you want Marcel and I were talking about last night. If if she could live with us. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But we cannot take care of her. Right. We just cannot. As independent and, as she right, is, right. there's she's, still she's responsibility. Really, yeah. I get nervous with with the walker now since right. she's had that other fall. Um, at 103, but, she's one of our most independent residents. Right. I mean, right. look at her in the house. Well, well, since she's been at the house, she won a dance contest. <laughs> She with, has Sandy. Been, with Sandy, <laughs> she has been on uh, uh, on the Texas Jewish Post, uh, an article about her, and she and Anthony have a picture in the Wall Street Journal. So I mean, she's all but famous. She's, she's become a star since she's moved to Manchester. Right. So, <laughs> right. but can I mention about Sandy? Though, Please, too? she's just a text away. Yes, or that's a phone a great call way to say away, that. and way we feel no matter what time it is. I, I feel, com not that I would do it in the middle of the night, but if I had to, I would do it. And um, I know she'd be okay. And, and I have to say the same thing about Anthony. Shout out mm. to, to Anthony. Anthony's yeah. the house manager. Yeah. Who's yeah. Just, right. just fantastic. And I know that both of, with those sets of eyes and aids on them, that she's in a very safe place. That's nice. Yeah. Although my dad calls Anthony Joseph. Joseph. For some I, reason. I don't really. know why. Yes, I don't know why. why but yes. <laughs> I won't tell you what he calls me. <laughs> what concerns, David, did you have about the care for your, for your folks at the beginning of this process? Well, at the beginning, like I said, when we were, when they moved into assisted living, they were in a place that had more amenities that they could enjoy. And then when we moved them to the memory care in that facility, the we it was a larger facility and the ratio was higher for caregivers to what my parents needed. And as I shared that my brother and I felt like the, the well, we were doing more well care checks than we were, you know, visits. Mm -hmm. And we, that's when we realized, okay, we, we had heard that there were, smaller facilities, but we just didn't know where to to start. And that's where we got some help. And what's interesting is when we found out about Manchester, it literally is around the corner from our house. And oh, so nice. it provides, which I had no idea was there because it blends in with the neighborhood, which also when my mom walked in the first time, she was like, I feel like I'm at home. And that was also comforting because the others just as much as they try, they're in large buildings and they try and make them feel as comfortable as they can, but it does feel a little bit less homey than a natural house where you come around a dining room table to eat dinner and the kitchen is right there. You're smelling the food as it's being cooked. You're watching them make the food and you're in the living room and visiting with the others that are, that are, uh, that, that are there. And so it's, it's just a, Small, the smaller environment was great for our family. I love that. What concerns did you have? The concerns, well, it's still a concern, not concern about the facility, but with, with Bronya, is, it's the, the transition we were talking about a little bit, the confusion. Like, mm -hmm. why am I here? Mm -hmm. What is this place? Even though sometimes she'll say, oh, it's my apartment. Right. But it's like, why am I here? And, and where do I live? Because sometimes she gets confused. Is it Pittsburgh? Is it Romania? You know? And... So that ties in with that guilt that you asked about earlier. Mm -hmm. And we still deal with that, though, too. Sometimes you'll go, 
where am I and why am I here? And when you she know? gets confused, she starts speaking Romanian. So we know she's confused exactly because we right. can't understand. Or Yiddish or yes, whatever. whatever, whatever. <laughs> right, right. With regards to the entire process, what would you do differently today with the benefit of hindsight? For us, I think what we would do differently, what we've talked about, is we would have started the process sooner for my parents. And, and I think that would have helped them. Because at the time that we started it, my mom was in the middle of uh, knowing that she was suffering from dementia, mm -hmm. but also living in the reality of knowing what was going on. And so when she would go between confusion and understanding, it caused anger. And, you know, she had angry outbursts and that were not, that's not my mom. My mom just right. wasn't an angry person, but it's the, the realization that she's losing control and starting the process earlier when she could understand it more would have, would have helped from a, also my dad, because he was trying to, I think he was covering a little bit of what we couldn't see because he was living with her every day, yeah. but also having those conversations earlier and maybe moving the process along a little sooner than we did. I think that's an important thing. point. Yes. Parents do try to protect, protect yes. each other yes. from the adult children. <laughs> no, mom's fine. Dad didn't forget that. Yeah. But the reality is it's time to yes. start having this conversation. Yeah. And, I, and I do think is as kids, you also want to live in a world where your parents are living independent. Like you want, you remember your parents when they, taking care of you and doing the things for you and uh, always being there, they're a phone call away. And then when you, you go into that transition of them, of realizing the need and the care that they have, it does, you, you also feel a little bit like, oh, I don't want to, I want to give them as much as I can, as much independence as we can. And so, but I would say if we had started it a year earlier, it would have been a, it would have been a little bit easier for them when we made that big transition of the move. Sure. Hindsight. I don't think we could have done anything different because it was something that was unexpected. We didn't right. know she was going to be moving here. Right. Um, and I feel very confident in the research that I did and the guidance of Paul that I had and, and, and the help that I got along the way from other people who have experienced this. And I would say to anybody, talk to as many people as you can because every, everybody's experience is different, but you all in the end want the same thing for your loved one. You yeah. want them to feel safe and um, have the care that they need and deserve. Yeah. yeah. I always tell families, ask a lot of questions, right. a lot of questions. Yeah. And I think the care side of it is you want them to be comfortable mm -hmm. as they live out their last days sure. yeah. and enjoy their last days and not, uh, and, and that's what I can definitely, you know, for my mom, that was definitely the, uh, the case for her. Sure. Uh, what haven't I asked you that I should? Well, it's funny as as Sue has been talking. I think Sue, you and I actually talked. I think I was one of. I think Sandy got us in touch oh, with each possibly, other. Oh, possibly. Yeah. Because you were probably calling to. I was calling lots a, of people. Yes, as a as a referral, right. and I, and I would say, um, you know, just what what hearing the way Sue went through her process is the way to go through the process. So the question is for us, uh, you know, we didn't call and talk to any family member. We just went in and we were able to go in. It was pre-pandemic. So mm -hmm. we were able to go in and meet the staff and meet mm -hmm. Sandy and um, take a look around. But from just, if I think of a question that you didn't ask me, 
it's really hard because I think we've covered most of them. Yeah. Covered it and all. And I feel like that uh, between the two of us, that the questions that you've asked have been really good mm -hmm. and uh, opened up. You know our thoughts as well. Good. So. Well, I appreciate y'all sharing. I really do. This is sure. great insight, and I hope that it is beneficial to other people trying to navigate this complex maze. So, thank you for being here. Sure. We are going to turn over to the nugget portion of the program. This is one of my favorite cartoon and cartoon <laughs> artists, my friend Dan Piaro. It says, "Father Time and Mother Nature mugged me," oh. and of course, the moral to this story is live life to its fullest with no regrets. Because tomorrow is no guarantee. That's right. And that is a fact, Jack. All right, on to the lightning round. Okay. We've talked about Branya. We've talked about Richard. It's time to talk about y'all. <laughs> Quickly, where were you born and raised? St. Louis, Missouri is where I was born, raised in Dallas. Sue? I was born in Buffalo, New York, raised in Miami, Florida. Uh, college and degree? Went to Baylor University and with a degree in finance and management. University of Florida, sociology. Can you write in cursive? I used to. <laughs> Sue, can you write in cursive? Absolutely. Uh, David, ever lived abroad? No. Ever lived abroad? For my se a semester at college, I did, yes. Ever been arrested? No. No. <laughs> uh, ever slept in a tent? Uh, many times. Yes, I have. Wow. Uh, favorite candy bar? Reese's. It's not really a candy bar, but it's um, Twizzlers. Twizzlers. Oh. Candy. Yeah. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Sue? iPhone. Karaoke, yes or no? I have, but I don't recommend it. Me either. Good choice. No. Ever been skydiving? No, but I want to. No. No. <laughs> Favorite board game? Monopoly. Rummy Cube. That a way to go. Yeah, okay. All right. Thank you for sharing your insight today on Manchester Care Homes. Really appreciate you being here. If uh, you were looking for this episode or any past episodes, you can find Manchester Living Podcast. Just search Manchester Living Podcast on iTunes, YouTube, Facebook, or wherever you get your social media. If there's ever anything I can do for you, don't go back to Google. Just call me directly. Thanks so much. <laughs>